Welcome to another Made in Manitoba. Thank you for joining us as we welcome Winnipegger Sam Bardman to the program for the first time as we highlight music from his just-released album, Athabasca. Released this past Earth Day, April 22nd, Athabasca is his fourth full-length album, and the project began in 2022 when Sam was exhibiting and performing at a conference he helped put on called Art activism and advocacy that was followed by two weeks last fall at the cold water lab in the rockies further influencing the direction of the album environmentalism has been a theme in sam's music from his earliest days as a songwriter and this new album is a culmination of decades of ecological art making now according to sam the songs are thoughtful poetic and often filled with biting commentary on the current climate crisis but they never come off as preachy or argumentative Tonight, we welcome Sam Bardman to Made in Manitoba. Music from Athabasca and Chris's conversation with him begin after this. Geese are growing goslings. The world is full of small things. Yellow and brown and red wings. These are the things that the river
Thank you for joining us for another edition of Made in Manitoba. This weekend, welcoming Winnipegger Sam Bardman to the program for the first time as we highlight music from his just-released album, Athabasca. Sam, great to have you here. And how about we start by getting to know you a little bit? Let's go back in time and reflect on how you got into music in the first place. Was it a case of mom and dad sitting you down in front of piano and saying, hey, here you go, how about you have some piano lessons? <laughs> no, it was more like me kicking and screaming, begging for a guitar when I was a little kid. And uh, and I think they wanted me to play accordion uh, at first. And I said, no, 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 it's got to be the guitar, you know, because, you know, Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> because Beatles. And did you did you find it was a, only a matter of time before you, you took your music pursuits quite seriously and kind of turned it into the singer-songwriter we know today? Or was it a path that kind of bounced here and there? Well, it took a long time I, before before music was a, a full-time pursuit. I did, back in the 1990s, I did spend my life as a full-time touring artist, uh, playing folk festivals and folk, folk clubs across the country. Uh, you know, I've played the Winnipeg Folk Festival five times, and I've played uh, other major festivals across the country. And um, uh, But that was in my 30s. It took a, it took a while. I was an academic for, for the first 16 years of my professional career. And um, yeah. That was that was the road I took. Uh, you mentioned the Beatles was why you wanted that uh, guitar and, you know, your music sound now. And I think, you know, with previous efforts would be, like you said, in that singer songwriter folk genre. Did you evolve into that genre or did it just come right out the gate? This is where I want to be. Like so many people who, who grew up in the in the 70s, like in the, my formative years were in the were in the 70s. I mean, whatever was on AM pop radio at the time was what was influencing me. And and I think that uh, when I went to my first Winnipeg Folk Festival, that's when, you know, I, I got turned inside out and couldn't believe what I was seeing on these stages and got introduced to uh, folk music in a, in a much, much deeper way and got in, got involved with a community of folk musicians. That was, that's the big thing, because making music is a really social thing. You can't do it by yourself. It's It's most powerful when you're doing it with other people. So when I when I met folk musicians, um, folk music blossomed, you know. Now, taking that that jump from being inspired from a folk music perspective, um, you yourself wanting to, I would say, fair to say, uh, have lyrically rich pieces that you're coming together with. At one point, did you start building in things like environmentalism and thinking about things beyond oneself and nature and the outdoors? When did that start to be a part of who you were musically? I think that was from the earliest days of being a musician, but because, because I think that that was kind of uh, who who I was, you know, culturally and and politically. I was I was always thinking about the world that I lived in and uh, thinking about how to make it a little bit more uh, equal, a little bit more just, and um, and kind of thrown into that grab bag of concerns was a, a growing concern even back in the in the eighties for. Um, uh, for the earth and for the fact that we were not having a very positive impact on the earth as a species. So <laughs> that was, uh, it was, it was natural for it to creep into my songwriting. Why do you think music is a good platform to talk about environmental issues and whether that be local, like Lake Winnipeg, and I'll get to the fact that you have a song called Lake Winnipeg in just a little bit or, or yeah. more globally like climate change. Why is this platform a good one to bring about discussion about this topic? 
I think a, a lot of people, you know, are, are well aware that there are that there's a uh, there are message songs, right? And and Bob Dylan used to call them finger pointing songs. Um, and it, it, sometimes it's not a, it, it, that isn't a very powerful uh, way of getting people uh, talking because I don't think art in and, in and of itself is very persuasive. It's not a persuasive medium. Um, uh, if you want to do that, you know, you're, you're better to be a a good rhetorician or you know a, a, a lobbyist or an advocate. Those are the things that. Those are the things that persuade people. What art does is something different. Uh, art helps people to express the inexpressible, I think. When people are listening to music that's about the environment, it may help them to see the world in a way that they haven't seen it before at a deeply emotional level. It may help them to, um, as I said, express something that they found so difficult to express, uh, either their hurt, their anger, their bewilderment, or even their joy at the beauty of the world around them. Um, uh, but I don't like somebody said to me at one time, you're never going to persuade anyone with that song. And my first reaction was, I'm not trying to persuade anyone of anything. I'm just trying to express something. And other people, um, you know, may find that uh, inspiring. You know, I, I find it interesting that uh, in our conversation here today, it uh, really lines up with some of the other uh, pieces and interviews that I've I've read of you in the past about how you're not trying to be argumentative or, or, or be mm. preachy in what you're doing. Really, it's an expression of a moment or a feeling or a scenario that you're trying to get across, the reality that you are seeing in front of you. Just talk about why you've really made that conscious decision to not be that finger-pointing guy like Bob Dylan referenced. It doesn't make for great songwriting. It doesn't make for great poetry. Um, you know, I, I, think that, I think that people who are... Uh, who are trying to be preachy or didactic or argumentative, those, those folks often don't write great songs. Um, and, and I think the power in, in song and music, you know, it's kind of where the head and the heart and the body, because of the rhythms of music, it's where the head and the heart and the body meet together powerfully. Uh, and if you only engage the head, if you only try to engage someone's brain, um, and, you know, like you're missing a whole bunch of what music can be, and what music can do. So, you know, that's, that's, and, and, and also people don't want to be made to feel bad. Um, and that's not a, a good way to start a song. I mean, there are times, of course, when you just want to unleash on, on someone and, and that's okay too. That's part of expressing your world. Um, but it's, but it can't be, uh, it can't be just that one note uh, because it just becomes pouring then. of the trees the sun unlocks the river and the flowers turn to bees March turns into April and April turns to mud it's the tilting of the world the beginning of the flood everything around you's gonna change the corner lifts and turns another page Wasting of the age, everything familiar becomes strange. The 
They're singing in the forest, nothing to be seen. The dry bones of the winter are all covered up with leaves. It's the chaos of the season, the breaking of the host. It's the leveling of reason and the raising of the ghosts. Everything around you is gonna change. The corner lifts and turns another page. Time and time again, in the wasting of the age, everything familiar becomes strange. Singer-songwriter Sam Bardman on Made in Manitoba for the first time this weekend as we feature music from his latest album, Athabasca. The album is firmly planted in the space of commentary on climate change and its impacts not only from our perspective, but from nature's as well. There are celebratory songs about the beauty of nature, but also songs that speak to our bewilderment and hurt about the environmental dilemma we find ourselves in. We'll continue our conversation with Sam in a moment. Let's talk about your new album, Athabasca, which is what we're featuring this weekend on Made in Manitoba. And this project, as I understand it, uh, really came out of the Marsh radio release last September. How did that grow into your fourth full-length album that is Athabasca? I was uh, at a conference last May um, called Art Advocacy and uh, Activism, and it was a conference that a, a collective... Um, an artist collective that I belong to helped put on, and uh, it uh, and I was I was playing songs from my new album Marsh Radio, which I released last September, and I was also exhibiting some of my my visual art, and I was giving a talk or two, and that conference was attended by a scientist from Global Water Futures, and Global Water Futures is an, a university based program that involves 
um, hundreds of scientists who are doing work on the effects of climate change on water systems. Global Water Futures was in attendance at that conference, and they work with environmental artists. And so they invited me to come to their to the cold water um, laboratory in the Rocky Mountains last October and spend two weeks um, in close quarters um, following around and talking with climate scientists and hydrologists. Um, they took me deep into alpine forests. They took me to the mountaintops. They, we climbed a glacier together. I went out onto the northern prairie and uh, in, in all of those cases um, visited their observatories um, and talked to them about their work and more importantly talked to them about their lives as climate scientists. And um, from that experience um, came the album Athabasca and uh, came a whole bunch of visual art as well. Um, so that's that's kind of where it's had its impetus. And would it be those experiences over the course of those few weeks that led to the title Athabasca because you were in that that general part of the world? No, quite specifically, um, I, I and uh, a, a team of scientists climbed the Athabasca Glacier. And we, we, they, they, it's, it's an interesting place. Many people who have been to Alberta near Jasper, um, uh, have been able to get up onto the Athabasca Glacier. It's, uh, they've got an interpretive center there. It's one of eight glaciers that come off the, uh, Columbia ice fields. And, um, we, we were, they, that team took me up the glacier because they were doing some maintenance on one of their, uh, on one of their scientific observatories. And the glacier is just bristling with instruments. There are, there are researchers from all over the world who are studying what's happening to glaciers because glaciers are a kind of a bellwether for climate change. And as glaciers go, so does the rest of the climate. And also people don't understand that glaciers, uh, glaciers across the world uh, store three quarters of the world's fresh water. And when they disappear, there are, it's, it's going to have a very, very radical effect on the entire ecosystem of the planet. Um, and the Athabasca Glacier is ready to, uh, like it's, it's already retreating and thinning um, radically, and it won't be there in 50 years. The, glacier, the entire glacier will be gone. Um, I was standing up near the glacier, glacial fall near the top of the glacier, and I asked uh, Dr. John Pomeroy, who's the lead scientist there, um, you mean to tell me that one year ago, the surface that I'm standing on today was 25 feet higher? And he said, yes. I mean, that's a, a radical change. That's an amazing change. And so, yes, in, in 50 years, that glacier will be gone, and all of the water that it supplies downstream to the Canadian prairies um, will also be unavailable to the Canadian prairies and, of course, will have a, a huge effect on our lives here. So it's all interconnected, Chris. Tell us about uh, the song uh, Lake Winnipeg. I had mentioned it earlier on in our conversation, but I wanted to tie it back to how we've been spending some time on water. Obviously, here in Manitoba, when it comes to environmental issues, Lake Winnipeg would either be the number one or number one A issue that would come to mind for a lot of folks. What is this song about on the album? Well, first of all, Lake Winnipeg is a treasure, and and anyone who lives in Manitoba knows uh, that these re these remnants, like Manitoba and Lake Winnipeg, uh, are are remnants of a great lake that used to be here called Lake Agassiz. But they are still Lake Winnipeg is still the tenth largest lake in the world, um, and it is now considered to be 
um, the sickest lake in Canada and the most threatened of the world's uh, large lakes. And it's being threatened by a process called eutrophication. And what it means is that, and we, what, the way we all know it, is uh, that toxic blue-green algae blooms um, have been appearing on the lake for a long time now. But, but now, annually, those toxic blooms are up to and sometimes exceeding 10,000 square kilometers of lake surface. And right now, they are feeding the lake, um, and the lake is what's in a, in known as a fat lake stage. Um, so life is, is thriving in the lake, and that's what happens just before the entire ecosystem collapses. So it's quite possible that Lake Winnipeg can become a dead lake, where right now we have a thriving commercial fishery and um, millions and millions and millions of animals, fish, uh, bird life uh, that, that rely on the lake, including us. Uh, there are 40,000 people that live on, on, right on the lakeshore. Um, and, uh, but the entire thing could collapse uh, if we don't do what we need to do um, faster than we're doing it, quite frankly. So when, the song, yeah. Yeah, when I listen, song, when I listen to yeah. this song, it certainly gets back to that point you made about how uh, you're not being preachy or you're not being finger pointy. It really is an expression of what you what you're seeing or or what mm-hmm. the lake would be in its pristine condition. At least that's what I take away when I listen to you sharing things about the waterfowl and the scenes mm-hmm. and the trees and the lake itself. Yeah, I mean, the, the song is written from the point of view of the, the birds and the wildlife that live there. You know, the song is, is written from the point of view of pelicans and cormorants and osprey and eagles. And, um, and it also asks the question, how long can we wait uh, before we get serious about, about making the investments we need to make to save that great, great lake? Silver quietly moving past farm fields and wide sewers, carrying all of us into the future. Say 
the song Lake Winnipeg from Sam Barbman's fourth full-length studio album, Athabasca. Thank you for joining us this weekend on Made in Manitoba and taking time to listen to Sam's environmental message through song. Not only is Sam a singer-songwriter, he's also an accomplished photographer who has captured some truly stunning and mesmerizing landscapes and vistas over the years. You can see some of his work and learn more about his album at sambardman.com. That's B A A R D M A N. For Zach Drieger and Chris Sumner, I'm Michelle Sawatsky, and our time together has come to a close for this week. In the meantime, listen to this episode and others by listening to Made in Manitoba at podcastville.ca. Good night. <laughs>